Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle, a run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Welcome into the Seminole Rap Podcast, recording here on a Tuesday afternoon. John's out of town this week and next week, so no Miami pod for John. Max, obviously covering the game, and, uh, and next week, just a heads up in advance before we even get there, Monday will be when you record uh, next week. So you get a Monday Miami post-game pod. This one, though, is the Miami preview slash Georgia Tech recap podcast, and uh, Max, you and I were kind of kicking it around before we started. 41-16. I don't know how much you really take from it, but they uh, pretty thoroughly handled Georgia Tech. Yeah, I think one of the biggest things I take from it is just the like Fabian being back. You look at all the stat sheet; it's not nothing really pops out, but just the defense, the defensive line—they just gave them nothing. And it's been an issue of third downs; they give up some gains or they give up something happening against teams like Wake Forest, but that didn't happen against Georgia Tech. I understand it is Georgia Tech, so it's a team that that should happen against. But I loved what I saw from the defense, loved what I saw from the linebackers per usual. Yeah, and, and it felt like – it just felt like they didn't really – they being uh, Georgia Tech just didn't have it, didn't – just never had a real chance. I mean, even in the first quarter when um, – I think I, I called it on the Sunday's pod, the, uh, the, the Knowles News Now, it just wasn't a complete game from Florida State, but you could tell from the beginning they didn't really need it. You know, they kind of just needed to find their footing for a second, get going, and they would be fine. Yeah, I don't know if it was because they played kind of a lower-level opponent, but when you saw them go into it, you saw kind of – it wasn't nerves, but I don't know if it was just like, we think we're going to beat this team. And that happened earlier in the fourth in the first quarter, and it started to gradually be like, okay, we have to dominate this game, we have to win this game. 
don't play with our food. We, we actually have to, this is an ACC team. It's not just, we, we have to figure out what we're going to do. Like the fumble happened, happened at some when Jordan Travis came out the pocket one time. So issues happened in the first quarter. We were looking around like what's going on. But I think it was just like that, that opponent that they were going into it thinking this is a win. Yeah. And almost, it almost felt like a, a game they just needed to take that first deep breath, you know, just like once they got, um, you know, I mean, Georgia Tech's going to come out and try and win the game. Obviously I think they're playing with the backup. Jeff Sims was out. Um, so that is, you know, you know, if you just score points, you should win the game. Um, and so I think once you kind of got that first, you, you threw that first punch, you were like, Oh, they're not going to be able to answer this. Like the, if we just keep doing our thing, it's it. They, they held up the wall as much as they could. Uh, if we just take care of ourselves, hang on to the ball, that would be better. A couple of, of frustrating points is that taking care of the ball. I know it was something I mentioned heading into the bye week that they needed to be better about was taking the ball away and not turning it over. Uh, and obviously in this one, that, that kind of showed its face again, as they, uh, I believe learned to lose the turnover battle again. Against a team like Miami, that can't happen. So you got to clean that up. You know, it's hard, it's hard to complain about this one, right? You know, I, I mean, we're, we're nitpicking in a game where Jordan Travis throws for 396, three touchdowns, uh, Trey Benson rushes for 111 and, and Johnny Wilson goes for 111 himself. I mean, it's a career day on the offense. You outgain them 642 to 264, which is fun because those numbers are anagrams, right? 264, 642, you combine it. Isn't that fun? Uh, but, you know, I mean, you're you're nitpicking to find issues in the way they play. It, it really was a, a a thorough beatdown of a team that just didn't really um, ever have a chance. And, and it showed. I mean, look, if you look at my pick for this week and Brian's picks article, he did take Georgia Tech plus 24 and a half, which, you know, Maybe we kick the extra point at the end of the game next time. I'm just, just, you know, just saying it's kind of important to some of them. Uh, but, you know, I, I felt like Georgia Tech was good enough to keep it within four scores. But, I mean, I think, like I said, after the maybe the second quarter, I was like, boy, this is going to be real close because Florida State can score whenever they want. And that was where it became a real problem if you're Georgia Tech and you just, you just weren't going to stop this offense. Yeah, I think one of the biggest things I liked about the offense is that they tried to get those big gains. They tried to to figure out where Johnny's going to be on the sideline, try to see where Mike is going to be in the middle to try to – they didn't just stuff the run like they do sometimes. I know Trayshawn Ward's not in, but they could have stuffed the run with just an RPO to like Lord Sofili or just handed it off to Trey Benson. It didn't happen a lot of the times. They were trying to pass, which obviously you saw with the 396 from Jordan Travis. But I, I really liked the, the play calling in the offense. Yeah, we've said it before, right? 38 pass attempts isn't normally the recipe for this offense clicking. That's not normally where they want, I guess, to be playing. You, you'd you want to be in more of a run-first offense. But, I mean, if you if you took this bye week as a reset and can get back to what you were doing against LSU, what Jordan was doing in that first quarter and a half against uh, Louisville, that was, I mean, you can, any of us sat there in those first game and a half and we're, or I guess if you count Duquesne too, but we were talking like, that's the leap. And if you get to that and you took this game as the approach to let's get him right going into Miami to make those types of throws, you, you succeeded in it. Yeah. It's like we were talking about before. They needed a momentum building game where like last year, you kind of had these teams where I'm not going to say their name, but happened after Notre Dame just a, a couple weeks ago. 
the, the team that they lost to at home with a little Hail Mary, but they don't, they don't <laughs> do that. They don't do that anymore. When, when you're, when you're a team that takes the next step, you don't let those smaller teams, the Georgia techs, the Boston college, you don't even let them, you don't give them a chance, which is that that's a step above to what it was last year. Yeah. And it's those little, it's, it's so many of the little things in building a program, the steps it takes and, 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 um, the climb that it goes through in terms of, of evolving a program. It's a very different situation, but I was talking with one of my good friends who went to Penn state this weekend, uh, kind of about like where they are. And, um, you know, obviously from the Paterno and, and uh, Sandusky scandal, that program, uh, it was a, a legacy program bottomed out real fast. And um, obviously for different reasons, but through the build, you know, he was saying like, you saw, we could see the steps in Bill O'Brien. It was like, Hey, we're, we're growing, we're getting better. We're getting better. Uh, they switch, you know, O'Brien leaves the NFL, they go to Franklin and he's kind of at the point with Franklin where it's like, okay, we need someone else to kind of push us over the climb with that, um, you know, to get you over the level, but like, okay, we've reached a point where we can beat the teams we're supposed to, but that's kind of a step that Florida state didn't have last year. So if you, if you're comparing brother programs, looking around, like as a program builder, Norvell's doing a great job. You're, you're getting to the point where, you know, to steal this one from Juan and John over the years, but when, you know, lose a lot, lose a little, win a little, win a lot. And you're in the win a lot, win a little year. And they're doing that. They're, they're handling the games they're supposed to. And, and you know, uh, finding ways to win games when even in the grand scheme of things, you look back at the previous three, they were finding ways to lose in margins that, you know, small margins that were costing them games. You're not in win a lot mode. You're in win a little mode. And that's, they're kind of filling that model with the way they play every game. Yeah. I think a lot of that has to do with the consistency we've seen from the offenses here. Yeah. Right? Cause we've seen, we've seen Jordan Travis have spurts. We've seen that in the, in the first two years that he played, but we haven't seen him. We know what we're going to get from Jordan Travis when he steps on the field. We know what we're going to get on Saturday when he plays, we know he's going to do at least this, at least that, or he's going to make sure that, that this happens. We didn't know that before we figured Maybe he can rush out of the pocket. Maybe if he plays this defensive scheme, but we know for sure that he's going to be able to connect with those receivers. And I think because on defense, you've seen that success from the defensive end. You've seen that success from, from the line with, with Fabian there, with Robert Cooper there for so long, but you haven't seen that consistency at the offense that you've seen this year. Yeah. I mean, the fact that you're able to put up over 40 points with Jordan rushing for one carry for negative seven yards, which I'm assuming was a sack. I'm not 100% sure on that, but I, I'm going to guess that sounds like a sack to me. I don't think Jordan on a carry, on, a, on an actual carry, lost seven yards. So, I mean, I would have been like, man, they lost. Like an ACC opponent with, with Jordan not being able to give you anything on the ground, that's probably bad. I mean, or he'd probably have 12 carries for that. You know, I mean, you don't need it. You you found consistency and, um, you know, hats off to to Alex Atkins and kind of helping figure that out, finding the steps they needed, the approach they needed. You know, I, I'm sure there was some concern when you lose your OC to another job, but, um, you know, they, they've been better this year and, and they've done a great job of maximizing Jordan's abilities. Jordan knows the type of throws that he can make right now. And he, before it was like he needed to see those those perfect open gaps. And right now he doesn't right now. He he's his accuracy. Like I've said before, is just like, and I don't even know what to say fully because like I said, I saw him in the spring. I saw him in fall practice. I did not expect this. So I don't know how, what the accuracy happened. I have no idea what happened, 
but just it's just such a big leap from last year. Yeah, it's a totally different level of confidence and, and making the throws. And, and you know, I, I mentioned at the beginning, if this is the reset back to what we saw against Duquesne, LSU, that first beginning. I mean, what you? I remember seeing your tweet from the Louisville game. Was it like he opened 14 for 14 or was it 12 for 12? It was, some, it was something ridiculous. And I was like, oh, Jesus. And it's what we've seen from him before where I think a lot of it has to do with, with I don't know if it's his relationship, but his comfort in the pocket right now is unlike we've said. Cause, cause like we've, we've talked about, he would, he would look up, get the snap, look up. He didn't see anything. He's putting his head down and he's going to run it. He's not doing that anymore. Yeah. Maybe he's going out. Maybe he's going out. If he goes out of the pocket, he's still looking for the pass. He wasn't like that last year. He definitely wasn't like that the year before. And maybe it has to do with the relationship that he has with his offensive line. Definitely has to do with the people that they brought in in the receiving room of, of the trust that he has in those guys. Yeah, and speaking of the receiver room, I do want to give another mention because I, I know you have brought it up before, but um, when he was coming back, but Ja'Kai Douglas, uh, four receptions, 63 yards. He got a touchdown. Uh, that's what both games he, since he's been back with touchdowns. Uh, another great element to this offense that they just seem to keep finding more weapons, more playmakers, which is something, God, we just sat here a year ago and spent the whole podcast complaining about how they didn't have guys to go to. Yeah, they just have – they can pick out of their back pocket. It seems like they can just bring another receiver in. And every time I see Ja'Kai Douglas, I get confused because whenever he's on the sideline, somehow he's wide open. Somehow he's wide open for a 25-yard for throw, and it happens every single game. Like the first time that he was coming back in practice, I remember putting out two. Ja'Kai Douglas was a big absence for them. Although they've had Wilson, although they've had Pittman, Ja'Kai Douglas is an explosive player that can make those plays, and he's just he just gets open. So he's going to be able to do that throughout the season. Yeah, and you've got to like where you're at. You know, we talked about it before. You're finding your consistency. You're finding the weapons. Ja'Kai's healthy. You're getting healthy. Uh, Norvell talked about it, which is one of the perks of doing this on a Tuesday as opposed to doing it on a Sunday night where we actually get to hear from the coach in advance. But he kind of said this is the healthiest that the defense has been. Uh, you mentioned Fabian and, and whatnot. So – I think if you're heading into the last four games, you've got to really like where both sides of the ball are, uh, especially with the health we're seeing on defense. I mean, it's just like you said, it's, it's the, it's the Duquesne, the LSU. If that happens right now and you're healthy, you, there's not, there's not a team that should beat you on this schedule. Yes. There's teams that can, but there's not a team that should beat you if you're fully healthy playing that game that you did, like you did at the start of the season. Yeah, and I know we've done a lot of this schedule talk um, over the last couple of weeks, but I think it's because we know the teams that we're facing. Uh, you know, you you look up and and you kind of at this point know who Miami is. You know what Syracuse is, and and we're getting a more clear picture. Uh, I, I'll, we'll get to some Syracuse talk because I think it's important. And Max, you brought it up before, as you thought it was important, and we kind of I think we, you and I are on the same page there. But uh, the first is Miami. You've got the rivalry game this week. It's Someone needs to explain to me how this one got a 7.30 ABC kickoff the way Miami's been playing, but we got it, so here it is. Uh, granted, that's a beautiful stadium for a night game. They had Sunday Night Football there a couple weeks ago. It looked really good. Um, but it's it's uh, FSU Miami, and fo- football power index, the ESPN metric, has Florida State as a six, over a 60% chance to win. I believe they're eight-point favorites, maybe seven and a half in some books. Uh, Miami is coming off the thrilling four overtime win. If you want to call it thrilling. Yeah. Thank you, Max, for the giggle. Uh, 14, 12, where the only time someone stepped foot in the end zone with a football was the two point conversion in the fourth overtime that won it for Miami. The, uh, before that was the loss 45, 21 to Duke. 
they got the win at Virginia Tech and then lost to UNC and Middle Tennessee State. Are there five games before that? Um, I'll I'll defer to you on this one because I think you you've got enough Miami guys in your in your text chains and and uh, I'm sure Twitter mentions and DMs and all the things. I assume TVD isn't playing in this one. I, I assume they're going to continue going with Garcia because of the injury to TVD. Have you, have you heard anything? Do you know anything there? I haven't heard anything there. I figure they, they're going to try to bring TVD back or see what he's going to do. Not try to bring him back, but just see like how healthy he is throughout yeah. the practice season. Cause they obviously, I mean, he is an upgrade to Jake Garcia, even though he's, he's had a, a difficult season, but I don't, this, this like seven and a half, eight and a half, it, it's it's close because the names it's we're thinking it's close because they're playing at hard rock they're playing on the road in state rivalry the crowd that's going to have it shouldn't be close from from the um from from the schedule that they've had from the schedule that the Florida states had this game should not be close so i i understand the spread being like that i understand Florida state being favorites i just see them as as heavier favorites than this yeah, and, and looking at what Miami's given you for the last few weeks, I mean, uh, after the loss to Duke, there were transfer portal room transfer portal rumors on a bunch of their guys, and then again, even after the win this Sunday or this Saturday, it just feels like a program that um, is still on the way down a bit, uh, you know. And obviously, if you're a Miami fan or, or, or part of the program, you're probably not happy with paying Mario that much money and uh, having that continue for a year it just seems like they're just not ready uh for this type of game and I, and I don't even mean that as in like a Florida State is some kind of superpower but I think what Florida State brings is consistency and I don't think Miami is anywhere close to that right now it's just we we haven't seen yet just like you said we we don't know what Miami is going to bring to the table when they come on the field we know what Florida State's going to bring because we've seen it throughout the season granted they had that three game stretch where they didn't win a game, but it was against those ranked opponents and they were still able to Jordan Travis was still able to move the ball, things like that. Other than the NC state second half. Well, let's not, let's forget about that one. But, <laughs> but when they go down there to South Florida, you know, that defensive line is going to be good. You know, Jordan Travis is going to be able to throw. Maybe I'm going to say at, at least two twenty. So, so, you, but you don't know what Miami is going to bring. And I don't, I don't find that in like a, like a scary way, but it's just like this, this is a, I guess it's getting played out more than it should be. If it was another eight or name or ACC opponent, then first state would be a heavier favorite. To your point. I mean, it, it uh, to me, it seems like I don't believe TBD will be healthy enough to play in this game. I think he's still nursing the shoulder injury from Duke. Uh, I can't imagine he plays if he does. I don't know what type of, a full range of abilities he's going to have, you know, I have to think if he, if he's out there, he's likely limited, which probably isn't great for Miami to begin with, but the way they've been using him, if you think about, you know, maybe you watched uh, Jimbo Plurt versus Miami. I know a lot of you probably did. That was uh, Texas A&M earlier this week, this year. And that one was a, a mud fest, right? It was just a, a disgusting, I want to say Miami outgained them and just couldn't actually score which is, you know, the whole point of the game is scoring. And, and I just don't think Miami could keep up in a score fest with Florida State. I, they just don't have it. And they they had to do that against Duke. And they turned the ball over eight times in that game. So I just think if you can score here, which you should be able to, 
I think you beat them and should beat them handily. And and that, you know, I'm sure there are people out there going, Homer, but I, again, I didn't go to Florida State. You know, I'm a podcaster for Florida State. I am more familiar with Florida State, but uh, I have not seen a single thing from Miami in any of, any of their games to anticipate them giving you any confidence and them putting up a fight in this game. And that's someone who would have told you before the season, I thought TBD was the best quarterback in the country. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. <laughs> and the, the thing that I'm talking about with the quarterbacks too is that we saw from Jay Garcia and saw from like Tyler Van Dyke just like we both said just like you said that we don't think Tyler Van Dyke is going to be out there yeah. I saw a report that they're going to try to either play multiple quarterbacks or they're getting ready to pre- they're preparing multiple quarterbacks with in, in my eyes that ju- I guess that just lights me up like that just puts a smile on my face because the uncertainty that that has in the practice the uncertainty of Who's going to throw to me for the receivers of who I'm, who am I blocking for, for the offensive line? It just, that's going to kill them in an in-state rivalry. I have to assume that's just gamesmanship. I think you're trying to get, you're trying to force um, FSU to prepare for multiple quarterbacks, look at both guys and, and spend more time hoping. I, I can't imagine. I mean, look, Garcia was bad this past week. I mean, he got the game winning two point rush or whatever, but he was bad. I mean, the, the, I think it was what, 140 yards of, of, uh, passing yards, 125, 30 attempts for 125. It's just, they're just not a good offense, uh, especially without Tyler Van Dyke. And they don't really have much in the receiving core to scare you either. Um, you know, I, if you watch that, uh, again, the A&M game, there was a lot of drops there, which was probably their only other really high profile game. Um, I mean, North Carolina was for the division, that one's already gone. That one's already pretty much over. North Carolina's going to win that side. But um, I mean, they just don't. If if you look at what Garcia has given them in the past two weeks, it's been nothing. You know, we're coming in to fill in for Duke. Um, when did they 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 swapped him in for a game too? They they pulled TVD in for um, another game. I forget which one it was. But was it the Duke game? They pulled him. Well, Duke was the shoulder injury that that TVD came out. I was I was. Uh, but there was another game, whatever, whatever it was, but you know, he hasn't done anything to warrant. This is the guy. And I think if you had, if you were Miami and you felt confidence in your, your third string, wherever that may be, I feel like you'd probably put him out there last week when you were fighting for your life in four overtimes. You know, I, I feel like if you had that kind of confidence. So my guess is we probably see Garcia and Garcia alone, unless he severely struggles and, Mario's trying to get embarrassed, but I, I really don't, I don't see a situation where it's not specifically Garcia and they try 
more creative ways to get going. But I mean, that we're now in November and I haven't seen anything creative in terms of getting this offense going for Miami. Yeah, I agree with you in that. Like, I, I guess I'm just like playing out too much of that. They they're preparing quarterbacks because we know they're not going to just throw a bunch of quarterbacks out there. But yeah. I'm guessing to what they've seen from Jake Garcia, they're going to have someone ready in case in case you know they're they're down by 20 or just everything goes bad again in that Florida State game. I guess they're just going to have someone ready, right? There. Yeah, and I think they're going to have to. All right, I mean, if if TVD can't be and and you get the same kind of output, I mean, you're gonna need to have somebody ready because you you, you know. You're you're gonna you can't have the eight turnover performance you did against Duke, which obviously all of them weren't his fault. But um, you know, it, and again, I don't, I don't want you know. It's not saying that he's not a, a capable quarterback. Obviously, a, um, a highly recruited guy out of, out of high school, a four star, I believe. It's just he hasn't done it yet. He's he's clearly not ready in in what appears to be a new system that even. You know, TVD, like I said, was uh, excellent last year, just unbelievable and putting up numbers and yards. And um, even in this offense, he's been bad this year, whether that is a new scheme or if it's receiving changes or whatever, they just haven't clicked. And so I don't know how much I can fault Garcia in terms of like long-term projections, but for this year and this game this week, you got to feel confident in your ability to turn the ball over even with your issues and forcing other teams to do that. Hey, yeah. And if, if I can ask you, what do you think? I don't know if you've seen any of the, the Miami games or like, like seen them kind of even the highlights or what, what do you think is going to be most important in terms of like, like say a position group of like the Seminoles defensive line or their offensive line to make sure they score and get on the board early. What do you think that the position group is going to be the most important? I think it's always typically in football. The one I, I tend to lean to the most is defensive line. Um, because if you can pressure a quarterback with four, that's obviously most important. I think in this game, you're going to want them to be able to do that with um, with the run game as well, right? I, I think you want to limit uh, Jalen Knighton and the other guys in that in that running back group as much as possible and try and put as much on Garcia and, and, and this receiving core as you can. But it's not like they've been a, a dynamic rushing attack as it is. Um, but if you can just take that away and make them throw the ball – especially if the offense can get you out to a lead, you know, if you get the ball first, go down and score and you put the pressure on them, like, Hey, come, come match us shot for shot. I, I really like the idea of Jared verse and, and that group getting home. I could see Jared verse finishing this game with two plus sacks. If, if, you know, that's how they, if that's how Miami is forced to play, if the offense can put up points and they can just, you know, basically say, you're not running the ball. You're going to have to throw it. If you're going to beat us. Yeah, and I like that pick too because it's like you have that backup quarterback there that's clearly not ready. We've seen he's clearly not ready. Right. And if you rush him, if you make him uncomfortable, with you're you're gonna have some people scream at you. You're gonna have Florida State fans there. If you make him uncomfortable, it's gonna be a long game for the kid. And then if you're able to do that, and then stop Henry Parrish, who's had a pretty good season, if you're able to do that and stop him, those receivers won't be a worry. Yeah, and I I that's a good point. Henry Parrish is another name I probably should have included, but. Uh, I was reading and I wanted to give the, the nod here of two, four, seven inside the U David lakes, uh, closer look at QB Jake Garcia's performance versus Virginia. I was reading that before we got on earlier and, um, they were, he was kind of breaking down how long he was taking to throw. Right. And, and, and look, it's college football. This kind of checks out right there. These guys aren't polished or whatever. Um, under pressure, he was one for negative one yard, two sacks. So, uh, as, as expected, 
Um, for passes that went 10 yards to pass the line of scrimmage, he went two for 11, 35 yards. His best throws were the intermediate um, passing window, but he held the ball there for 3.1 seconds, according to, again, David Lake from 247. Um, so, I mean, if he's holding the ball for three seconds, you know, I, you've got a lot of time to get there. You know, if you can force, if you can, you know, set up the looks and make those receivers win and get home on those three seconds to hold the ball, that's a lot of time for a guy like Jared Verse to, to stack sacks. A guy like Robert Cooper to do the same or, or any of the or McClendon, you know, any of the guys on your D-line to do the same thing, um, especially if he's going to have the ball that long. And, you know, I they, I don't think this is a, an offense that's going to press you much deep down the field. You know, you can play press, you can – you can walk your safeties down a little bit and, and force them to make throws into tight windows. Yeah, exactly. Talking about the offense, you're not going to have those big plays or, the, or those 20 plus yards. You're not going to have a lot of those, even if any. So you can have those coverage sacks where you don't have those receivers that just can go off. Even when you played the LSU, you had that guy and they stopped him. You don't have those options to do that with Jake Garcia. So even if you're able to to just just cover slightly with like, like Jamie, bring him in to, to whatever they're running. You can give those, that defensive line even more time. And just like we said, if we, if you pressure Jake Garcia and the, the linebackers and the corners are going to be able to, to really hurt him as well. Yeah. And I think this receiving core gives you the ability to do that. Be, be more aggressive, try to jump routes. I mean, don't be stupid, right? Take the lead yeah. first and, th- and then go for it. Um, I, I have to think with the way that both of us are talking, we're both pretty confident in Florida State winning this one. I'm willing to lay the seven and a half points. I'm going to do it in my picks article this week. I assume you're going to be right behind me. I completely agree. I think Florida State wins this one. I think it's it's closer than it should be because of the in-state, because of the the hot rock, because of, of Miami kind of wanting this one a little more than they've won in any game this year. But it's going to be closer than it should be But Florida State goes back to Tallahassee with the win. Yeah, and uh, I think this one – you know, I, again, I don't want to sound Homer on it, but I've been saying for weeks that I thought this one out of the remaining five was going to be the hardest. I thought going to Miami with, with uh, kind of what I expected Miami to be, I expect this game to be the hardest one left on the schedule. And, you know, here we are game week and they just haven't put it together. Like I expected them to. And obviously with the injury to TVD, I just don't see it. Um, the game that you've been saying the whole time is the hardest is the Syracuse game. Uh, they, as you, again, I want to give you your credit here because it's fun to do. You predicted they would be going for a slide here. They had Clemson, they had Notre Dame. Now they have Pitt this week, obviously just lost to Clemson. And, uh, as I called it in my article, the, uh, moral victory of the season, as everyone was so proud of them for almost beating Clemson, but not, uh, went back home and got handled pretty well by Notre Dame 41, 24 there, obviously, uh, Garrett Schrader, uh, hurt in that game. I think it was a, a possibly a concussion type uh, Andrew Logie hit his head on the ground there. I don't know what his status is for this week, but um, they were on the path to lose that game in the first half as it was. Uh, Notre Dame, who is playing better than they were earlier in the season, which is weird because they played so well in the first game. They've they've uh, been okay, especially getting behind their rushing attack, which I think has to feel well if you're, has to feel good if you're a, a Florida State fan to see Syracuse getting beat up in the run game like that. 123 on 20 carries from their main running back for Notre Dame. Uh, I'll, I'll toss it over to you with uh, Syracuse not looking as strong as, as uh, we once thought, I don't think. 
Yeah, and I mean, just like we talked about before, it was coming. Some of their wins were like Wagner, UConn. So, yeah, they looked good when they were undefeated. But when you really looked into it, when you really looked into their resume, their schedule, you're like, okay, those should be wins. I guess not 6-0 and or whatever they went with what they were last year. But those should have been wins, like the, like the win they had against NC State with Jack Chambers. Yeah, that should be a win. Just like we said, a, a slide is coming. I think still, if Garrett Schrader is healthy, that's still going to be kind of a, a difficult one for Florida State. I'm not saying they lose that game. I just think it's going to be still, if, if Garrett Schrader is healthy, I think it's still going to be the most um, difficult one compared to like like Miami and even Florida because of, of Sean Tucker and that rushing attack. So we've seen them slide, and, and it, they're more beatable than I guess we thought they were before. Yeah, and a couple of points on, on their early uh, season schedule, I guess, their, their early season run. They had the game against Purdue, which I remember watching, was, was a back and forth at the end that they got the last score on with a couple seconds left to win. I believe the Virginia game was similar. Uh, NC State was the Devin Leary and uh, didn't play in that one where NC State was just swapping quarterbacks, hoping anything would hit. Um, so there's, you know, uh, I, I don't want to call it fluky, but, you know, some kind of fluky sort of start, right, where you, you maybe aren't so confident in the way, uh, you know, the like you mentioned, kind of looking underneath the hood, you can see that they really weren't the 6-0 and juggernaut that they appeared to be. You know, I, I think when you look at what they played this week, I mentioned the rushing attack, right? Uh, Esteem was the, I'm sorry, I, I don't know if his name is right. Esteem, I'm going to go with that. 20 carries, 123. Logan Diggs, also 20 carries, 85. They had 56 rush attempts, Notre Dame did, to 19 passes. I mean, Notre Dame basically just lined up and said, we're running it. And they did it over and over and over and over and over again, where if this was Florida State a year ago, I would be like, hey, you like that. But, you know, we just talked about how Jordan's developed and you still have the ability to do that with your run game. Um, I think you've got to like that if you also have the ability to throw it. That Notre Dame just simply doesn't. And we just like you said, I remember looking into those stats and I was just kind of kind of shocked because then I thought of Trey Benson. I thought of Lawrence Tofili and and Trayshawn Ward. If you get a healthy Trayshawn Ward back, then it's going to be a problem. <laughs> And I just I was just smiling because you have that that just attack of of running anyone just like Notre Dame did, and then Jordan Travis who can now pass the ball, which we we didn't think like this would happen. So, yeah, I mean you've got to like. And then uh, one other mention uh, a note for uh, for Syracuse here is that they're uh, one of their best defensive backs, Garrett Williams. He was uh, yeah. I think he's all ACC if I remember correctly. Um, he was hurt when they played NC State earlier this year. Didn't play against Clemson. He did play against Notre Dame. Got hurt during that game. Uh, and he's actually out for the season with a torn ACL. So that, uh, you know, unfortunate injury for them. Obviously, you know, part of the game, though, it's a, it's an advantage for Florida State to not have him out there. Um, you know, an, another, I guess, positive check mark in that uh, passing game column if you're, if you're a Florida State fan. Yeah, and when we talked about earlier in the season, there was five games left. Not early in the season, I guess just a week ago, there was five games left. We talked about our predictions. We talked about four and one, five and zero. Oh, what it can look like when Florida State came back off the bye week. I expect this to be a win against Syracuse, just for for all the because because Florida State dealt with that before of all the injuries, and then you have the success, but then things start falling down. So Syracuse is kind of in that position right now. 
and they're not going to be ready to face a healthy Florida State team if they're completely healthy. So I expect that to be a win now. Yeah, and and briefly before we wrap up here, just one other mention uh, was Florida getting getting trounced by uh, Georgia this week. Obviously, Georgia is a juggernaut. Uh, Florida continues to flash signs of being a good football team and then signs of being a really bad football team. Um, I think that's just going to probably be a transition type year effort from them. You just hope probably by the end of the year, they don't put it together. I I maybe would say they, at this point for me, would be the most difficult game left on the schedule. I don't think that they're um, over the top. Great. I wouldn't, I wouldn't count it as a loss. I think five and oh is now more likely than I thought it was maybe a week ago. Um, I still think four and one probably makes the most sense, but I I think you've got to like what the way the last three big opponents on your schedule are looking heading into this part of the year. I also still agree with you that four and one makes the most sense because a bump in the road is going to come. We don't know what it's going to be, but a bump in the road is going to come with so many weeks left remaining. So yeah, I agree with you, Florida state. I mean, Florida is going to be the, the more difficult matchup. And I think a lot of that has to do with who they faced this year. They face those SEC opponents. They face tougher opponents than Florida State has. So even if they're a bad team, even if they look like a bad team on TV against teams like Georgia, they're better than than some of these ACC teams and and the, the competition that Florida State is used to. Yeah, and I'm sure a lot of, of Florida State fans are doing the, uh, I guess, I don't want to call it window shopping, but the uh, transitive property where we beat LSU, LSU beat them, we are clearly better. Uh, I'll say that LSU is a much different team than they were in week one. Um, they've, they've found something with the offense where, where they are, they are involving Keishon Boutte and, and they can move the ball and, and thank, thank God for Florida's defense, I guess, and helping them find that because Florida's defense continues to be terrible. I don't know if you saw, did you see the, uh, the Brock Bowers touchdown catch from this week? I did. I did. I, if you, if you missed it, obviously this is a podcast, so it's hard to describe, but uh, they threw it out to him. This is uh, the tight end for Georgia. And it like, hit the defender it hit Bowers in the arm. It hit him in the shoulder, the helmet. Then he like slapped it with his arm again and then like caught it and ran for like a 70 yard touchdown. Like it hit every part of his body and he just spun around. It was just waiting for him to pluck it out the air and run it for a touchdown. It was just that, that Florida defense just is so bad. Yeah. I guess, I guess it has to do with like, like I said, maybe they give you issues because they faced a lot of those good players like Brock Bowers. So maybe they're, they're just not going to be, kind of phased by, by some of these teams, but I don't, I don't see that happening with what I've seen from them. I don't see them just like, just, I guess just building something at the end of the season or building something at that last game. I think it's the hardest game, but, but yeah, I see Jordan Travis having a nice day there. Yeah. I think what you'd worry about is if you ran into them, like similar to what Florida state was a year ago, probably a quote unquote, not as good team, you know, as you would think. Um, but maybe coming into form, it's just, you know, it's what I expected Miami to do this year, but they didn't. So yeah, I guess you just got to see what, what Florida looks like over the last three weeks. I think they have like Vandy and, uh, South Carolina. Yeah, here it is. They got A&M this week, South Carolina, Vandy, and then Florida state. So, I mean, you've got chances for wins there. So maybe they do build confidence, but you know, two of those three are on the road. So maybe they, they've got shots at, at, at not. You know, Spencer Rattler beat them and they go 0 and 3. It's all on the table for them to either kind of build the momentum or really come topple off. Yeah, I guess a game against Vanderbilt can build anyone's momentum. But yeah, right. Yeah. That's that's kind of what they're there for on the SEC schedule. I think it's just like, <laughs> oh, whoo. All right. Well, we get one. Um, except when James Franklin was there, then all of a sudden they were like a nine win team. Um, 
One other point I want to ask you, and and just because I know you're you're a kind of broad college football guy, and I know I'm springing this on you out of nowhere. Uh, Auburn fired Brian Harson this week. I, I don't think any of us really have an idea of where this coaching search is going to go. Obviously, that is one of the closer um, in geographic area to Florida State Power Five jobs out there. One of the bigger jobs, kind of in that region. Um, Anything you think is noteworthy there, there's some, I feel, I, I think it's like almost wish casting of, of Dion to go there that I don't think is any real thing, but uh, any notes that you have in, in your head and possibly in that job? I don't know of, of candidates because I remember I wrote an article on candidates for, for Wisconsin, Nebraska, um, Georgia Tech, and, there was, and uh, Arizona State. Auburn suddenly becomes maybe the best or if not the second best in that position. So there's going to be those big candidates like, like Bill O'Brien and other people like that. So, so maybe there, I think I, I'm not even going to, I'm not even going to just, just flirt with the, the Dion thing. Like, <laughs> it's not going to happen, but I, I mean, he said he's going to, he said he would look into it. I think if anything happens for Dion, it's Georgia tech, but I, I'm not going to do Dion to, to Auburn would just, it would surprise me more than Travis. Yeah. I, it, it, it would be very surprising to me. I, I think if you're, if you're in Auburn's position, you're looking for a, um, an established coach. I think you're looking for someone that brings you credibility after what Harson has just given. I mean, for two years, you've been a joke, right? Off the yeah. field, Harson was giving you problems of, um, and look, you can have your own opinions wherever you'd like, but it was a, it was a, a quote unquote scandal with him, with him, you know, refusing to get vaccinated was one thing, an issue there because um, there were certain games, maybe he can't coach here. Maybe he can't coach there as a sport was, he's like, I'm not doing it. You can't make me do it. Well, that produced some headlines. Again, you can think whatever you'd like, but that was a distraction. Then you had the uh, alleged affair, I guess, within the program uh, earlier this year kind of during the off season as well. So this has been a, a, a headache and a half for, for Auburn. And uh, I believe their last search after they fired Malzahn went poorly and they brought in a new AD. I think they're hiring Mississippi state's athletic director. And um, I wouldn't imagine that means that they're going to go and hire uh, like Mike Leach straight from Mississippi state. You know, I've seen some people kick around down Dan Mullen who just got fired at, at Florida, but um, you know, I have to think that Auburn is looking for someone to make them feel legitimate um you know someone with some skins on the wall who's done it before and i i really do think that dion to georgia tech makes a lot of sense if you're georgia tech you're looking for um something splashy yeah you need something because currently you're getting beat up by georgia you're getting beat up by alabama um clemson and florida state and and you know you're in the biggest city of the whole group if you're going to draw fans you need to have something that uh, attracts people to the thing. And that is Dion. That is what he does. And so I do think that makes more sense than Auburn. Um, I think if you're hoping for something for the Auburn hire, I think you're hoping they they pull someone who's maybe just a good X's and O's coach and maybe not a great recruiter. Um, so you can continue to, to, to play the recruiting game and not have them be a direct competitor with you. Obviously, I don't think they're on the future schedule, but uh, with the area, you're, you're basically competing that panhandle of Florida, that South Georgia, South Auburn, South Alabama area, all, all head to head there. I think they make a mistake if they go for a recruiter because they have these different coaches that just like Mario's a recruiting coach and the other coaches are going to be X and O's other coaches are going to be scheme guys. I think they need someone with structure. Like, I mean, in my opinion, it was someone like, like Brian Kelly who went down to LSU, 
who builds a structure, who has that kind of resume of I, that. I, that's what I've seen from him, like at Notre Dame. So I think they needed a guy like that. If they focus on recruiting, in my opinion, that's going to be a mistake because you're just going to have issues on the field again. Yeah, and and, and I think that's where they're going to look. I, you know, I, I I would hope they'd look for a coach maybe with a championship already in the in in the back pocket. Maybe that Ogeron would fit great there. That's just me wishing my wishing pain and and uh, misery on my wife. She went to Auburn. Uh, so, you know, just an, an interesting job to keep an eye on over the next couple of weeks here to see kind of where that job ends up going. Uh, it seems like they'll be moving quickly, if I had to guess, to, you know, bringing in a new AD and then firing the coach the next day. I, it seems like they're moving that way. I, also, in, interim head coach Cadillac Williams. Are you old enough for Cadillac? No. All right. So I feel old. That's a perfect way to end the podcast. Uh, you know, like I said, it's at FSU in Miami this week. It's an ABC. I think it's 730 or it's a night kick. Have fun with it. Uh, Max will be down there. All the coverage you need. What's your Twitter handle, Max? People know where to follow you, where you can stop tweeting in the third quarter. Just Max Escarpio, M-A-X. And then I don't want to say the last name because okay. it's too long. Oh, okay. E-S-C-A-R-P-I-O. Perfect. Yeah. Just follow him. He'll be down there again next week's podcast, the post game Miami pod uh, Syracuse look ahead is going to drop on either Monday night, Tuesday morning. We're going to record on Monday. Give Max a chance to uh, rest up after the game and, and not drive back by himself in the middle of the night and have to get back and do a podcast with me at like 10 PM. So Monday will be the time you'll get that. So until then for Brian and Max, that's a wrap.